This is the Trails Church Podcast. At the Trails Church, our mission is to glorify God by making disciples through the gospel in community and on mission. If you'd like more information about our church, visit our website, thetrails.org. Now here's today's podcast. Open your Bible with me to Acts chapter 2. The well-worn idiom tells us that a picture is worth a thousand words. As I was praying for our church this week, I looked through some old pictures that tell so many stories of God's grace and faithfulness to us as a church over these first five years. Some of my favorite pictures are from September the 9th, 2018, the day that the Trails Church was born. I saw pictures of the Boswell kids from that day and marveled how much they have grown. I found photos of our first worship service and marveled at how our church has grown. And I I don't mean numerically. I mean primarily spiritually. This adventure from the first step has been attended with a supernatural sense of unity, um, sharing of smiles and sorrows, following Jesus together, growing as disciples, seeing people come to know Christ. I love this place, and I have loved every step of this journey with you. If we were to take a picture of the Trails Church this morning, it would be yet another record of God's grace and faithfulness to us as a church, beginning with the way that our congregation hungers to know the Word of God. From the start, we sought to build a church on the foundation of Scripture, to know God in His Word. We knew that this was not an autopilot setting in the life of any church, but a practice that must be continually cultivated. A snapshot of our church family today would would include so many answered prayers. Men and women who love the word, who live under the authority of the word. Boys and girls learning how the whole story of the Bible points to Christ from beginning to end. Junior high and high school students becoming students of scripture. Small groups spending time together, applying the truth of God to their lives. Bible studies meeting to enjoy expositional conversation. We are witnessing firsthand, and this is no small thing, what it looks like when the Word of God does the work of God by the Spirit of God to the glory of God. It's a living miracle, the body of Christ. So what I aim to do this morning and and through the coming weeks is not so much different than what the apostle writes in 2 Peter chapter 1 verses 12 and 13. I intend always to remind you of these qualities though you know them and are established in the truth that you have. And so I simply aim to stir you up by way of reminder the things that I want to remind us of 
spring from the pages of Scripture and are seen in the life of the New Testament church. And I believe are true of all gospel-centered, discipleship-focused, mission-advancing churches throughout time and around the world today. The picture of the early church found in Acts 2 is worth more than a thousand words. This portrait is painted with just 113 words that portray the inner life of the Jerusalem church. We first turned to this passage as a new church plant and planted the seeds found in it in the soil of the culture of our church. So what I want to do here for the next few weeks is just till up the soil once again and plant these same seeds as before in the soil, cover it back up, pray for the Spirit to breathe and move on them, to water them, and to wait and watch what God might do. That's what I hope to do in this series of Acts chapter 2, verses 42 through 47. I felt as we, here we are, just a handful of months from moving into our first church building, having grown so much, and and now just arriving at this passage in our study of the book of Acts, I felt we had to stop and do this together. My prayer is that this text that has long been a great help to churches through the ages would now encourage us at this critical point in the life of our church. And it all begins with this question. Are you growing in your devotion to the word of God? This is where it all begins. Are you growing in your devotion to the word of God? The opening eight words of Acts 42 highlight the primary characteristic of the first church in the New Testament. Every other detail about their life together followed from their devotion to the apostles' teaching. And from this starting point, we will seek to understand what it means for us to be a church that is devoted to the Word. We will show that this early church, and by extension, every healthy biblical church, must be devoted to knowing the Word of God, loving the Word of God, and living the Word of God. Let me invite you, if you would, to stand with me, if you're able, as we read Acts chapter 2, verses 42 to 47. This is God's perfect, holy, and inerrant word. And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and the prayers, and awe came upon every soul. And many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles, and all who believed were together and had all things in common. And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the needs to all as any had need. And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their number, day by day, those who were being saved. The grass withers and the flowers fade, but the word of our God stands forever. 
Amen. The first aspect I'd like to draw to your attention is how the church was devoted to knowing the Word of God. Luke records how these early disciples of Jesus devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. Men and women quickly immersed in a life of study and discovery. They became a community of learners. John Stott commented, One might say that the Holy Spirit opened a school in Jerusalem that day. Its teachers were the apostles whom Jesus had appointed, and there were 3,000 students enrolled in kindergarten. The teaching of the apostles was not comprised of a new man-made curriculum. Rather, they taught others what Christ himself had first taught them. They're passing along what Jesus had taught them. We don't find the table of contents to an early book of systematic theology from this first church in Jerusalem. No, we don't know what they worked through with new believers specifically. Rather, we gather from the writings of the New Testament what the church was trained in, what the emphases were, things like the nature of salvation, the person and work of Christ, a new way of living in the kingdom of God. We have one of the many summary statements of what was taught as the apostles' teaching in Peter's sermon just preceding this passage. Acts chapter 2, verse 24 proclaims, Jesus of Nazareth, a man attested to you by God with mighty works and wonders and signs that God did through him in your midst. As you yourselves know, this Jesus delivered up according to the definite plan and foreknowledge of God, you crucified and killed by the hands of lawless men. God raised him up, loosing the pains of death because it was not possible for him to be held by it. There we find the blazing center of all Christian doctrine, the gospel of Jesus Christ. Notice his life, his death, and his resurrection, all contained there in Peter's little summary. We know full well what some of the apostles actually taught from their writings that eventually grew to become the New Testament. The Gospel of Matthew demonstrates how they taught to preach and teach Christ from the Old Testament. His gospel overflows with Old Testament references to the person and work of Jesus. The letter of 1 John unpacks lessons taught by Christ first to the disciples during his earthly ministry. The instructions given in 1 and 2 Peter teach Christians certain realities, specifically how to deal with suffering and following Christ in this life. These men were entrusted with the teachings of Jesus and intentionally passed them on to others who continued to teach them to others until eventually they've reached us today. What we hold in the pages of the New Testament is the teaching of the apostles and more certainly the teaching of of Christ. As the good news was preached, minds were transformed, intellects renewed by the truth, Paul says in Romans 12:1. Before Luke tells us any of the other characteristics that mark this remarkable church, 
we learn that the community was constituted on the basis of apostolic teaching. They were planted in the living word of God. The first lesson we learn is that if we are to be a church devoted to the word, then we must study it, we must know it. One way that we're committed to that as a local church is is seen in the way that we preach the Bible. The practice of preaching that we use at the Trails Church is known as expositional preaching. Expositional preaching is where the task of the preacher is to bring out of the text what is already there and to expose it. That's exactly what we saw Peter do in his sermon. He brought out what was in a passage and he helped people understand it. And so we follow that same tradition, saying what Scripture says, explaining what it means, pointing the attention of everyone in the room to the risen Christ, and then calling one another to respond in an appropriate way. And so we preach through Scripture, chapter by chapter, verse by verse, sometimes phrase by phrase, because we want to know the word of God, and to know God in his word. The place that this begins is with our Bibles open. With our Bibles open. This is how we navigate the Christian life. I fell into the practice early on of beginning every sermon with this phrase, open your Bible with me, too, and then I would announce the passage, and then you would hear, fill the room The rustling of the leaves, pages turning as God's people went to work. And by God's grace, we see that every Lord's Day in this place. Our Bibles open as we navigate the deepest of sorrows, as we enjoy the highest of blessings. And what a gift it is to gather week by week and to open our Bibles. And this is what we want, to be students of the word, disciples of Jesus, humble learners sitting at the feet of Christ himself. We want the word of God to be the foundation of our church. And that begins with our Bibles open and it's accompanied with prayer. Pray that we would be devoted to knowing the word of God and knowing God in his word. The second aspect I put before you is that the church in Jerusalem was devoted to loving the word of God. You might not so obviously at first see this until you circle your thoughts with me around this word devoted. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. To be devoted is to attach oneself to, to be faithful in, to persist These disciples attached their very lives to the teaching of God. They were faithful to the teaching of the apostles and they persisted in it. To truly know the word of God, we must also love it. We must also love it. Think about that word devoted for a moment to get a sense of what I mean. When we would say at a eulogy that the man who has died was a devoted husband and father. We don't mean that he was just a husband and a father on paper, 
He didn't take his wife on dates because he was contractually obligated. He didn't show up at his kids' endless sports games or provide for them because his name was on the birth certificate. We say he was a devoted husband and father to say he was all in. His heart was in his home. And so to get a sense of Luke's description, we must see that the disciples were both convinced in their minds and gripped in their hearts. They were all in. Uh, These are the same hearts, by the way, that were cut to the quick at the end of Peter's sermon. The hearts that were made new by the power of the risen Christ in response as they repented of sin and believed on Jesus as their salvation. And now, those same hearts that were once dead in sin now are alive in Christ. I wonder if there's anyone in this room who you know your heart is still dead in sin and is not alive in Christ. The reason you have no love for God is because your heart is full of hate toward him. Love for self, love for the world. I would just point you back to the text we read a moment ago from Acts chapter 2 and look and consider Jesus Christ and decide what you will do with him. Either to believe in him or to reject him. To reject him is an eternity separated from him in a real place called hell. To accept him is life. Not just here, but in the life to come. Listen, listen. Ask that he would move in your heart, perhaps. All the knowing and studying and memorizing and gazing at the word of God does us absolutely no good if we do not grow in our love for the truth and ultimately our love for God. The scriptures sing about this kind of love. In Psalm 1.1, we hear, Blessed is the man whose delight is in the law of the Lord. In Luke chapter 24, as Jesus is walking with two men on the road to Emmaus, he walks them through the writings and the prophets and the Psalms, showing how all of it points to him. And Luke says their hearts burn within them, with understanding, with reality. Psalm 119.32 says, When you enlarge my heart, then I will run in your commands. The affections are vital in a healthy Christian life. There is an inseparable connection between knowing and loving the commands of God. The head and the heart. Doctrine and devotion. Charles Spurgeon gets to the heart of this when he wrote, Oh, that you and I might get into the very heart of the word of God and get that word into ourselves. As I have seen the silkworm eat into the leaf and consume it, so ought we to do with the word of the Lord. Not crawl over its surface, but eat right into it till we have taken it into our innermost parts. It's idle merely to let the eye glance over the words or to recollect the poetic expressions or the historic facts, but it is blessed to eat into the very soul of the Bible until at last you come to talk in scriptural language and your very style is fashioned upon scripture. 
And what is better still, your spirit is flavored with the words of the Lord. When you come to scripture, are you just glancing over things? Heartlessly reading the words of the living God? Or have you eaten into the soul of the Bible? Has scripture transformed your heart so that you even talk differently? Is your life flavored with the truth of the gospel? Brothers and sisters, let us not merely grow in knowledge of God, but in our love of knowing him. Some of you might say, well, well I know I'm, I'm supposed to read scripture, but I don't even like to read or, I know I'm supposed to love the Bible, but it just doesn't affect me when I read it. Well, I do want to say the reason could be that you're not yet in Christ. You come to it with blind eyes still. But that's not the only reason you may not be feeling that. It could be that there's sin in your life that keeps you from experiencing God and His Word. Or it could be a host of other things. Here's what I want to do. I want to write you a prescription It was first written by an old English Baptist called Andrew Fuller and summarize what he would say to you. Three quick steps. If you want to grow in your love for the word. First, embrace every opportunity to read the Bible. Embrace every opportunity to read the Bible. Keep your Bible open and just keep reading reading. You can't love what you don't know. Embrace every opportunity. Second, read parts of scripture that apply to your life. The things that apply to you. You might say, I don't know the Bible well enough. I'm, I'm suffering and I'm reading Second Chronicles and I'm getting nothing from it. You still can, but it might be more helpful to read Psalm 42. But if you don't know the Bible well enough, there's people around you in this very room who do and can help disciple you and point you to where you can be reading. And I pray they would even go an extra step and read the Bible with you and help explain it. But read things that apply to your life and to your situation. And finally, pray as you read. Don't neglect the grace of prayer with your Bible open. Ask, expect, anticipate God to speak to you, to move in your heart, not to try to white-knuckle your way into just an emotionalism. That's not what we're for. We're for intellect grounded in the word, but for the emotions to follow the intellect. Ask God that your heart would delight in his word, that your heart would burn within you. That he would enlarge your heart so that you would know him, love him, and run in the way of his testimonies. I love this prayer from Anne Steele. She prayed, Divine instructor, gracious Lord, be thou forever near. Teach me to love thy sacred word and view my Savior there. Oh, we see Christ in the scripture. There he stands on every page. The final aspect we find is the church devoted 
to living the word of God. Verses 42 through 47 show us that the disciples were not only committed to knowing and loving the truth, but it affected their entire lives. There was a connection between the head, the heart, and the hands. The early church lived in the word of God and lived out of it. And by the way, these these Christians in Jerusalem we're studying didn't have the 66 books of the Bible yet that you have right at your disposal. Scrolls were expensive. But here we have it sitting on nightstands and in cars six days a week, neglected. If we want to live in and out of the word, we need to be in it. One of the exercises that I, I love to lead in membership class is to read through Acts 2, 42 through 47, and together to gather the characteristics that we see in this verse. How many of you have done that with me in a membership class? How many of you have forgotten that you did that with me in a membership class? <laughs> oh, boy. All right, well, we're just going to do it right now. You've got your Bible open, Acts 2, 42 through 47. And I want to just widen the lens for a moment and look at our primary text we're considering in the immediate, wider context of this paragraph. What we learn here is that the church was not just making things up as they went. They were living out what they were taught. Their learned behavior together as the people of God are things that Christ Jesus had taught and things that the apostles had taught. So look with me at just a few characteristics. I'm going to detail a characteristic that we see at work in this church, and I'm going to show you where that's taught in the New Testament. And It's going to be a very short list. I'm going to leave you plenty of space for homework to complete this list, to build on it with your family, with your community group this week. Here's a brief list. The church was committed They were committed to one another, which we learn in 1 John 3, 16. By this we know love, that he, Christ, laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for the brothers. There's a committedness to this church. Second, they're unified. Philippians 2, 2 says, Complete my joy by being of the same mind, having the same love, being in full accord of one mind. The church is unified. They prayed together. They were taught to do this by Christ himself, by Paul, Romans 12, 12. Be constant in prayer. They praised God together. The writer of Hebrews, chapter 13, verse 15. Through him, let us continually offer up a sacrifice of praise to God. That is, the fruit of lips that acknowledge his name. They bore each other's burdens. Galatians 6, 2. Bear one another's burdens. And so fulfill the law of Christ. They worshiped together. Hebrews eleven twenty five. Don't forsake the assembling of yourselves together. They practiced sacrificial financial generosity. 1 Timothy 6, 18. They are to do good these Christians, to be rich in good works, to be generous and ready to share. They were committed to making disciples. Matthew 28, 19, and 20. 
from Christ himself. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I've commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. That's a starter list of characteristics we see at the church in Jerusalem, things they didn't just make up as they went, but things they had been taught. In each of these characteristics, we see this early church was devoted to living the truth, to knowing, to loving, and living the truth. This is a compelling vision of the local church, is it not? But don't be mistaken, Luke is not giving us a utopian view of the Christian life where it's just hugs and high fives till Jesus returns. No, this church would suffer together. This would take work, hard work. We have to roll up our sleeves and work to cultivate a church like this. We have to bow our knees and pray to the Lord for this. Is it, is it easy? No, none of this is easy. It's difficult. Charles Spurgeon told us, there are difficulties in everything except eating pancakes. It's not easy. It's not eating pancakes. But is it worth it? The most theological answer I can give you. You betcha. You betcha it's worth it. Why? Because the result is another local church on this planet until the Lord returns that is devoted to glorifying God by how we handle his word. There's not an excess of those, in case you were curious. So we're going to be discussing gospel culture in the coming weeks. But let me say this for now. The things that inform our head must not only transform our hearts, but also our very lives. If the truth of the gospel and the wisdom of Scripture has never changed the way that we live in the world, then we haven't understood either. We've not understood the good news of the gospel and how it's meant to turn our lives upside down or the wisdom of God given in the Scripture that's meant to train us to live in godliness. And friends, test after test awaits us in this life. Test after test awaits you in the years ahead of following Jesus. There will be thoughts that pass through your mind that war against the teaching of Scripture. There will be moments where you feel the pull of sin and your feeling for sin will be stronger than what you feel toward the Lord. There will be times where your whole life may seem to unravel. You might drift into apathy or isolation or even into sin. And in those moments, what you need is the grace and mercy of God. What you need is a clear vision of the risen Christ. What you need is the echo of the truth and promises of Scripture in your thought, in your heart. We must pray for God's grace that we will walk in obedience to his word even when our minds think otherwise. 
even when our feelings betray us, so that our lives would be lived as an act of worship. Here we find an antique picture of the Christian church. I love antique pictures. I love the sepia tone where the colors have faded, but here, it's teeming with color in life, isn't it? The, the edges of this picture aren't bent. It's just in perfect shape. It's been preserved here in the, in the Word of God. And here we see this picture. I want you, if you will, for just a moment to imagine a picture of the Trails Church. Not today, but 20 years from now. 20 years from now. You won't be able to see it all. But should the Lord tarry, what will this church look like? Some of it left to our children, others' grandchildren, others' new neighbors that have moved from across the world that have joined us on this mission. But I pray that we would see a group of disciples who have continued to grow in devotion to Christ and his church. And that fundamentally, the very center of everything would be a people continually devoted to knowing and loving and living the word of God. Ever aware that the reason that we are devoted to Christ is because he was first devoted to us. And he is with us. Let's pray. Divine instructor, gracious Lord, be thou forever near. Teach us to love thy sacred word and view our Savior there. We ask in his name. Amen. Thanks for listening to this podcast from The Trails Church. We hope you have been encouraged, equipped, and edified by time spent together in God's word. And again, if you'd like to find out more about The Trails Church, visit our website, thetrails.org. 